you have been blessed. Do I have a witness on that, amen? Yeah, thank you so much. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Paul's letter to the church in Colossia. Colossians chapter 2. This is where we will begin our focus in God's Word. Last Sunday, <clears throat> we were discussing the kind of relationship that God, the Lord God of heaven and earth, wants to have with us. And we talked about three things. He wants to have a literal relationship with us. In other words, something more than simply religious, mystical idea of a relationship, but one that is personal, a father-child relationship. We also talked about the reality that not only does he want a literal relationship, but he wants a, a loving relationship, one that he initiated himself. Now, the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 4 talks about the truth that it wasn't that we loved God, but that God first loved us and gave his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So he initiated this love, this sacrificial, selfless, unconditional love. And really what he wants from us is to reciprocate that back into his life. You remember that Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment of all? And he said, as you know, Matthew 22, beginning in verse 37, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second he said is like it, love your neighbor. And then he adds this little caveat. He says, all the law, talking about the law of Moses, the law of God, and all the prophets, everything they were teaching is fulfilled in this law. So that when we're allowing God to pour his love into our lives and we're reciprocating that while we're pouring our love toward him, then we begin to fulfill the word of God just as it is given to us right here in scripture. So God won't say literal, we talked about this, a literal relationship, a loving relationship, but then began talking about a living relationship. And we saw that both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that the words that are used to describe this relationship we have with him is one where we know him experientially, not just know about him, not just have book knowledge or may I say Bible knowledge about him, but to literally know him experientially. I worded it this way. God wants to do life with us daily. He wants to be involved in our lives. He wants to do life with us, to have a literal, loving, and living relationship with us. And then that raised a critical question. And that is from our perspective then, the question is, well, what kind of relationship do we want with God? Maybe it be best asked this way. What kind of a relationship does the attitudes of our lives and the actions of our lives say we want with God? You know, it's easy for us to say something with our lips, but the truth is always spoken through our lives. And so it's not just asking the question, well, what kind of relationship do you want with God? The question is, what kind of relationship does my present attitudes and actions, the way I'm living my life, 
reflect the kind of relationship I want with God. He wants a literal, loving, living race. He wants to do life with us. The question is, do you want to do life with him? Now, it appears to me, and maybe to some of you, that there are a lot of, and I like to use this phrase because it's kind of a broad stroke, but there's a lot of what I call church-going people who appear to want basically a very simple, shallow, surface kind of relationship with God. In other words, you know, they, they want Christ. They want to profess Christ as their Lord and Savior. But as they live out their life, they kind of keep God at arm's length. You know what I'm talking about? Not really close, not really drawing near, not really doing life with God, except, of course, when they need him. Now, that's kind of confusing. Sometimes it's confusing in the church. Simply because there are those who know Christ, who profess Christ, they possess Christ as Lord and Savior, and they want to do life with God as much as God wants to do life with them. And so in their heart, they got this fire as a Christian. They also have this fire as the church, the body of Christ, that we're going to do life daily with God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're rather confused. They don't know what to do. How do you deal with those around them that just want to keep God kind of arm's length and just kind of maintain some kind of a simple, shallow surface relationship with God. So sometimes that's confusing in the church. A lot of times that's confusing in the community because we're sending out a message, are we not? The gospel message, how awesome God is and how important it is that they know Christ is their personal Lord and Savior. What a difference Jesus makes in my life. That's the message we're trying to get out to them, hoping they'll be able to see and come to know Christ as well in their own life. We're not talking about the community. I'm talking about the community of those who do not have any relationship with God except he's creator and they were, and he gave them life, but they don't have that personal, literal, loving, living relationship. And so it comes rather confusing to them because they say, well, you tell me how, what a difference he makes, but what I see and what I hear I want to know why. Because I just don't see that much difference. And so that can be confusing in the church, can be confusing in the community, can be confusing to our children. This is beyond us. I mean, we want our children to know that God is awesome. Amen. The only true one and only true living God, he's awesome. He's the God of this word. His son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to know who he is, what he's done through the cross, shedding his blood. And we want our children to ask him into their hearts. But then when they see the place of priority that we place on that relationship in our lives, it kind of confuses them. So we begin to understand then why, why this is such a critical question. What kind of relationship do you really want 
with God through his son, the Lord Jesus. Well, that raises another question. You say, well, all right, if you're talking about having the same kind of relationship God wants with us, we want with him, we want to be doing life together with him every day and in every facet of our life. I mean, this awesome, incredible experiencing God daily in our life. What does that look like? That's what I want to answer today. I want to draw your attention to four things. I mentioned the first thing last Sunday. I'm going to go back to it. And the first thing is this, that we ought to strive to stay freshly cleansed. Freshly cleansed. What do I mean by that? Well, look with me in Colossians chapter 2 and verses 13 and 14. I want you to notice what he describes here because when I was seven years of age here at Washington Baptist Church, not this building, it didn't exist, not even uh, the sanctuary that we had, the upper sanctuary, it was a white sanctuary, wooden sanctuary. At the age of seven, I gave my heart to Christ. I was sitting on the front row. Why was I on the front row? It's a Baptist church. Nobody hardly sits on the front row. Could have a few here this morning. I was sitting there because mom and dad in the choir, they wanted to keep their eyes on me <laughs> make sure I was not misbehaving. But Hobie Revis was preaching the word of God. We were in, quote, revival, and God spoke to my heart. I went forward. I asked preacher Louis Wynn. I said, I need to be saved. I want to be saved. He led me into salvation, and immediately, here's what I want you to understand, immediately upon the grace of God, my putting my faith in Christ, receiving him as my Lord and Savior, I immediately entered into an eternal relationship with him. And the reason he could give me that eternal relationship is because when I accepted him as Lord and Savior, then everything Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary, paying in full for all of my sin, was immediately applied to me. So I was forgiven eternally of the guilt of all my sin, entered into an eternal relationship with God. That's true of everyone who receives Christ sincerely in their heart and their life as Lord and Savior. Now, ooh, I wish I could say to you that from that point on, I didn't have any issue with sin in my life. If I said that, you know I'd be lying. If my wife was here, she could tell you what has happened in the last 44 years. <laughs> But what is true of me is true of you. I'm talking to all out there. You know that you know that you know you're saved. You know you're a follower of Christ. You were sincere. You know you have that eternal relationship with God, that you have been forgiven eternally of the guilt of all of your sin. But you are like me. You have struggled with the issue of sin in your life, even as a follower of Christ. As the scripture says, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But what do we do with that? Well, if we want to do life with God, we want to have that type of literal, 
already have that loving and living relationship with the Lord, we're doing life with him, then we have to deal with that sin when it comes into our lives. Because when I have sinned against the Lord, I didn't lose the relationship. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. My relationship is unchanging and it's unchangeable. But my fellowship can change immediately. My fellowship with the Lord. When I sin, I've created an issue with the one who wants to do life with me and I want to do life with him. And so what he tells us, what we looked at last week is the reality is that look, ASAP, ASAP, deal with it directly uh, and, and completely immediately, as soon as you possibly can. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to, the moment we know, could be an attitude, could be an action, could be an activity we decided to get involved in when we knew the Lord didn't want us to do that, but we did it. That's why he gave us the promise of 1 John 1, 9. A word to us. If you'll confess your sins, deal directly, deal decisively with it. ASAP. I will forgive you. I will be faithful and just, he said, righteous even to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. What does that do? Well, that makes my fellowship sweet again. And now I'm doing life with God. I'm, there's no hindrance. I've dealt with it. He says, I have forgiven. And you know what he promised in scripture? Not only do I forgive, I forget. It's over forever. And so if I want to do life with God daily, then I need to strive to stay freshly cleansed. All right? Let's look at the second thing. Not only stay freshly cleansed, but striving to stay, listen to this carefully, fragrantly consecrated. So what in the world do you mean by that? Well, you know what the word the uh, word consecrate means or when the scripture exhorts us to consecrate ourselves before the Lord, that means to set ourselves apart for him. Now, I'm a follower of Christ. He's my savior, but well, he's my Lord. And as my Lord, I set my life apart for him daily. So, well, but what does that look like? I mean, we got to live life, right? We have our daily responsibilities, our daily activities, places we need to go, things we need to do. All of that is part of doing life, living life. Well, how does that fit in with consecrating myself before the Lord and why? Look at this passage with me. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and in verse 14. Beautiful verse here, but quite interesting. Here's what Paul writes as he's sending this letter to the church in Corinth. And he says in verse, verse 14, he says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. He has overcome, we have overcome. But notice what he adds. This is where I want you to focus. Listen to this. 
He says, and manifest through us the sweet aroma, the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. Let's break that down a little bit. Let's look at a couple words. Look at that word manifest. And manifest through us. That word manifest means to bring to light. It means to make sure something is clear. It is is to make sure someone understands exactly what they're seeing and experiencing in life. So he is saying that that through us, the reason that we need to uh, consecrate ourselves, have this fragrance of consecration, that is that that, that aroma he talks about here, that sweet aroma, he, he says it's so that we can give light to, we can give clear understanding of, they can know even at some level of experience something about our lives. And he tells us what that is. He says that we may manifest through us the sweet aroma, the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Now think about this. Last week in our study, we looked at two words, a Hebrew word and a Greek word, yada, Hebrew, uh, koinos, uh, which is um, Greek, kenosis, I'm sorry. And, and both of those speak of knowledge in terms of experience, experiential knowledge. This, again, it's the difference between Bible knowledge, book knowledge, and experiential knowledge. I mean, that's a huge difference. Here's what he's saying. This is awesome. He is saying, look, I want to do life with you. I want you to do life with me because I want to manifest. I want to bring to light. I want everybody, listen, he says, watch this. He says, in every place. In other words, no matter where I am, when... When I'm there, no matter who's around me, I want to manifest, I want through you to manifest, give light to, give understanding to everybody around you what it means to experience me in their lives while they experience me through your life. Could be family, could be friends, could be fellow workers, could be that person in front of you in the grocery line or person who is uh, getting fuel beside you uh, at stop a minute or wherever it is, you, you kind of get your fuel, you get your gas and things. But wherever you are, no matter when it is, no matter who's around you, he said, I want you to be a sweet aroma. I want you to be a fragrance of what it means to be consecrated to me so they can actually see in your life what it means that I'm doing life with you. God is doing life with you. Jesus is doing life with you. What an incredible challenge. What an incredible picture. Now again, we're talking about well, what, do you, what kind of relationship do you want? Do you, do you want a simple 
uh, shallow surface relationship where you're keeping God at a distance, you're keeping the Lord at a distance in life, or do you want to do life with Almighty God through his Son where you are used by him? That's a sweet-smelling aroma, a fragrance to a lost and dying world that just needs to know the truth. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people out there, the only Jesus they know is the Jesus they see in us. That's what he's talking about. He says, so I want to do life with you. And so I need you to strive to stay freshly cleansed, to stay fragrantly uh, 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 given of yourself to me. But notice the third thing. Well, let me give you this. Oh, can't miss this. Turn with me to Paul's letter to the Christians in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 5. Talking about a challenge. Watch this. He says, therefore be imitators of God. What? (laughs) Yeah, that's what he said. But he defines it. Listen to what he says. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us and offering a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. As a fragrant aroma. In other words, the one thing above everything else they that we should make clear, that we should shed light on, that we should help them to understand is that our lives have been changed because of the sacrificial, selfless love of God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's poured that love into us and that love now is flowing out of us into the light, listen, of everyone in every place. Freshly cleansed fragrantly consecrated, thirdly, fitly clothed. Isaiah chapter 61. I want you to notice with me in this, um, when we're looking at verse three, but let me set it up very quickly. When Jesus entered the ministry, started his ministry here on this earth. He walked into the synagogue. They placed the scripture in his hands and he read the first two verses of Isaiah 61. Let me read them. Here's what he said, what he read. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closed it and said, today that is being fulfilled. In other words, he said, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. I'm the Savior. But notice in verse 3, he begins to say that what begins to happen in the lives of those who come to know him? Listen to this very carefully. He says, to grant, verse 3, to grant those who mourn in Zion, 
giving them a garland instead of ashes. Watch this. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle or garment, as some translations have it, of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Verse 10, follow me. Same chapter. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with the garland and as the bride adorns herself with the jewels. Let me just sum that up. To be fitly clothed is to have a heart filled with praise and gratitude to the Lord. Just because of the awesomeness of what he's done in our lives. An attitude of gratitude. One of the things that just grieves listen to me, grieves the heart of the Lord is an attitude of ingratitude. On Wednesdays, we've been doing a study in the book of Hebrews where we've been talking about the reality of this as God dealt with the children of Israel, taking them through the wilderness. And I want to read very quickly a passage out of Numbers, Numbers chapter 14, and uh, in verses 22 and 23. And, and as I read this, I'm going to read it and then give you the context and then we'll make the application. Here's what he said. God is speaking to Moses, all right? And he's dealing with the people of Israel as he has taken them for 40 years. Well, at this point, not 40, but for quite a period of time. And he says to Moses, surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times. In other words, they just keep going back to this. They just keep going back to this. And have not listened to my voice, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers. Now listen to me. Here's what happened. The whole adult generation except for two, Joshua and Caleb, the whole adult population of the children of Israel that he brought out of, out of Egypt, out of Egyptian slavery, to take to the promised land, that whole adult generation never got in the promised land. Why? Look what God did. Look at the miracles he performed. Look at the, the cloud by day, the fire by night, the man in the morning, the quail that he brought. What take them through the Red Sea, bringing water out of a rock, and that's just to name a few. They saw his glory. They saw his signs. They saw all of this. Why, why, what held them back? What, why did God not allow them in? Because they never were satisfied. Read it. Exodus, they complained, they murmured, they doubted God, they were ungrateful. Well, yeah, I know you did this, but Lord, what about this over here? Yeah, you protected us against the Egyptians, but you think you can handle the giants in the land of Canaan? I mean, for 40 years, this is what was true. 
They complained. They murmured. They were ungrateful. Though God had lavished such grace and such mercy and such demonstrated such power, things we've never seen. Supernatural. And he says, that tests me. In fact, Scripture says it provoked him. They never made it. That generation did not make it into the promised land. Now, you want to delight the Lord? Not, not to discourage him in that sense, not to grieve, better word, grieve his heart, but to fill his heart with gladness, to fill his, his heart with, with joy over your life. Then live, clothe yourself with an attitude of gratitude, praise and thanksgiving. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. You want to do life with God through his son Jesus? Strive to stay freshly cleansed. Strive to stay fragrantly consecrated. Strive to stay fitly clothed with praise and thanksgiving. And then fourthly and finally, strive to stay faithfully compliant. Faithfully compliant. Let me put it this way. The answer is yes. It's that simple. What do you mean? Well, before God even fills in the blanks, the answer is yes. Whatever he asks of you to do, the answer is yes. It's not maybe. It's not, well, let me see if it fits in our plans, see how it fits into our schedule. No, the answer is yes. Whatever God's going to ask you to do, he wants someone that he knows before he asks, before he even before he even lays out the details, he wants to know that in your heart the answer is yes. Isaiah chapter 6 and in verse 8. God asks this question. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah responded, here I am, send me. Where, does it matter? Send me. When, does it matter? Send me. With whom, does it matter? Send me. To do what, does it matter? Send me. Lord, the answer is yes. Not, I think about it, not after I get the details, I may do it. No, the answer is yes. Those are the ones that God is doing life with. Everybody else is keeping him at arm's length. And so when God's 
someone steps up and, and God knows that the answer is going to be, well, I'll think about it, I'll pray about it, which we really most of the time means no. Not always, but no, most of the time. He says, next, next, next. Why? He's looking for yes. He's looking for yes. John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus said this. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will, watch this, disclose myself to him. Disclose, manifest, make light. God reveals his will to those whose answer is yes. First John chapter three. Here's an incredible statement. John writes this, verses, it is 21 and 22. Beloved, if your heart does not condemn you, not, let me just write, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we're seeking to stay freshly cleanse, fragrantly consecrated, fitly clothed, faithfully obedient. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, whatever we ask, don't miss it, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight, faithfully compliant. So we're back to the question, aren't we? That each of us has to answer. What kind of a relationship do you want with God through his son, the Lord Jesus? Arms length, simple, shallow surface or to do life with God just like God wants to do life with you? That's the question. Watch your answer. Father, search us. As David cried out in Psalms 139 verses 23 and 24, Lord God, we cry out, search us. Know us, reveal to us the truth. Not what we want to say, maybe not even what we're saying, but Lord God, what our life is revealing about the relationship we have with you and whether or not we're doing life with you. And then Lord, by the grace mighty work of your spirit. Draw us, draw us so close to you that every day we want to do life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming. Have a blessed day in the Lord.